We're in a series right now about prophecy uh, called What in the World's Going On. Last week, we talked about Russia in the news and prophecy of the Middle East out of the book of Ezekiel. Today, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about the signs of the times. Jesus is going to give us the signs of the times. And uh, I don't know if y'all believe what the Bible says or not, but I'm just going to say, there it is. And uh, we're going to, we'll find out whether the man tells the truth or not. Not me, him. We'll find out if this book's true or not. And Jesus said, human history is going to wrap up on this planet one day. He called it the end of the age or the end of the times. Human history is going to wrap up on this planet. And not only that, he said, and I'll tell you what it's going to look like right before I wrap it up. And that's what we're going to look at today. Matthew 24. I want you to read with me. This is Jesus speaking. Matthew 24, verse one. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. The disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. All right, you need a little background here. They're walking by this temple in Jerusalem. And as an American, you, you may not understand this. All right, their country had just been occupied. Roman soldiers had just come in and taken over their country. They lost their independence. And Roman soldiers now occupy their country and they, they hate it. Like you would if Russians came and took over our country. Because the, the Israel is fiercely independent. Jews are fiercely independent. And their country's been taken over. Their national morale has been crushed. They're under the boot of a hard Roman government. And the only thing they have left, their national pride is this temple. As I told you before, I think I've told you, this was the most magnificent building in the world at the time, most beautiful, impressive building in the world. It took 47 years, a thousand men working 47 years to build this building. It is absolutely tremendous. It was called Solomon's Temple and it was beautiful. It was, most of it was overlaid with pure gold, uh, billions and billions of dollars to rebuild today. And they loved their temple and this was their source of national pride. We don't have a building like this in America. This is their source of national pride. So they say to Jesus, isn't the building magnificent? And they're wanting to point out, they love to share about how great their building was. Watch what Jesus said about that building. Verse two, Jesus said to them, do you see these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be torn down or destroyed. And they're stunned. They're showing him these buildings. He turns and he says, you see this? Not one rock will be standing on top of another and this building's gonna be completely destroyed. Well, here's my question. How do he know that? Why would, it, why would this itinerant carpenter preacher say something like that? All right, this, the year right here is 32 AD. When he said, see that building, it's gonna be destroyed. 32 AD. 38 years later, a Roman general named Titus brought his troops and invaded Jerusalem and he did to Jerusalem what Putin is trying to do to Kiev, Ukraine right now. He decimated it. And he purposely, because he hated Jews, he hated their temple most of all, he made sure there weren't two rocks standing on top of each other, two stones. He flattened that thing. All right, here's the big question. I mean, that's, that's world history. You can go look that up. Here's my question. How did this guy know it was going to happen? How did he know 38 years before it happened? How did he know this kind of stuff? Here's my next question. Why did he tell it to his disciples? Two answers. Number one, God knows the future. He knows what's going to happen. He knows everything. He wrote the last day on this earth in, in description. I can show it to you in Revelation. He knows it. Number two, he wants his people to know what's coming. Proves it right here. We read last week, Revelation chapter one, verse one says this. These are the things that God has given his servant Jesus to show his servants things which must come in the earth. God knows the future. He wants his people to know it so we can adjust our lives according to what's coming. All right, so this, these guys are just standing here. 
Watch what happens now, verse four, three. He sat on the Mount of Olives, not far from the same place. The disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when these things will happen. Will there be signs of your second coming and the end of the age? See those words, end of the age. You're talking about this world coming to an end that you're gonna leave, you're gonna come back. Tell us about this stuff. And will there be any signs we can look for? And so he tells them. And in the next few verses, you're gonna see 12 signs that Jesus gave that we're approaching the second coming of Jesus. I wanna make an announcement. Jesus is coming back this earth 270 times, just in the New Testament, 270 times. The marketplace is empty. No more traffic in the street. All the builders' tools are silent. No more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labor in the courtroom. No debate. Work on earth has been suspended because the king just came through the gate. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back to earth. And uh, he gives us 12 signs here. And I want to go through these pretty quickly. And uh, I'm just going to warn you. This is not the stuff that causes people to shout hallelujah. (laughs) But let me remind you something. God put this in the Bible for a reason. And then I'll give you the big message after we look at the signs. Sign number one. And then he just starts talking. Great spiritual deception across the whole earth. Look with me. Uh, He said, verse four, Jesus answered and said, take heed that no one deceives you. Verse five, many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. Watch these words. And will deceive a few weirdos out in California. (laughs) That's not what it says. What does it say? Deceive what? Many people will be deceived. Look with me in verse 11, the parallel verse. Many false prophets will arise and deceive what? Many. Jesus said, look out for this. Massive spiritual deception among the masses and the people. That's happened in my lifetime. When I was a young man, you may not have followed God, but everybody knew who God was. They knew who Jesus was. They knew when his birthday was. We celebrated his resurrection. In the public schools, we prayed to him every day. We sang Christian songs in our public school concerts. Everybody knew who Jesus was, even if you didn't follow him. Something has happened between the time I'm a child and right now that this massive spiritual deception has been poured out on the earth. For years and years in this nation, Christianity was the number one religion in this nation, followed closely by Judaism, not anymore. What's the number one religion in America today? Does anybody know? Syncretism. Researchers call it syncretism. You've never heard of it. Let me tell you what syncretism is. I just make up my own religion. I take a little bit of Jesus, what I like about him, but if there's something about Jesus I don't like, I leave that out. And then I take a little bit of uh, uh, Buddhism. I put a little bit of that. I take a little bit of New Ageism. I take a little bit of me, want what I want, I'm Godism. It's called syncretism. That's what the researchers call it now, where you just sort of make up your own religion. That's covering the land right now. And Jesus said, in the latter days, this will be the deception that comes across the earth. And also, we're going to look in a minute. Second Thessalonians chapter two says this, Jesus will not come back. That day will not come unless a falling away from the faith comes first. Listen to me. You can't fall away from the faith unless you were in it. Jesus said, people will abandon Christianity. They'll turn from God. They'll fall away from the faith right before I come back. Let me give you hard numbers of my lifetime. I'm in the generation called the baby boomers. Boomers. And uh, there's one right above me, the oldest crowd left. They're called the builders. We're the boomers. Then there's the busters. See, we got all them dumb names. Y'all got the cool names like millennial and stuff like that. And then the millennial generation, that's 19 to 29. That's how culture divides up right now. Among the boomers, which is my generation, over 50% of people my age 
believe that God Almighty is who he says he is. The Bible is truth and you should follow Jesus to heaven. Over half the population. Go down to the millennials, which is 19 to 29, 10%. 10% of people 19 to 29 follow the Bible and the Jesus of the Bible. That's a falling away from the faith in my lifetime. One generation that we've left that. Um, 65% of millennials say, we don't know whether there's a God or not and we don't care. That's just one generation where he said that great spiritual deception would come lifetime. All right, number two. I want you to look with me uh, in verse six. The escalation of global wars. Number six, verse six. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. These things will come to pass. The end is not quite there yet. All right, massive wars across. You say, well, Brother Brian, we've had wars ever since world history started. An escalation of global wars. And let me tell you where the wars are coming from. It is the spirit of war. Now, the Bible talks in Revelation 6 about four horsemen of the apocalypse that are going to be sent out during the tribulation period. I, I don't think there's a set day where they are loosed. In my humble opinion, they're sort of in the, they're moving right now. That spirit of war is moving right now. I want you to listen to what the Bible says about one of them. This is one of those great demon spirits. It was the red horse in Revelation chapter 6. And a spirit went out into the earth, a red horse, and power was given to him to take peace out of the earth. And that men would hate one another and war with one another and kill one another spiritual. The, the tremendous, you know, the proliferation of war in the earth is going to be, people say, well, it's over oil. It's spiritual. It's because of the spirit of war. Number three, watch this one with me. This one's un, uh, sort of misunderstood, but you'll see it. Revelation, excuse me, Matthew 24 verse seven says this, nation will rise against nation. Now, when you think of nation, we think of Spain, Germany, Great Britain, America. That's not right. The word here is ethnos. The Greek word is ethnos. Well, what word do we get from that? Ethnicity or ethnic. This is not Germany rising against Spain. This is race against race. Racial animosity in the earth. Sign number three, uh, excuse me, yeah, sign number three, four, three is ethnic hatred and violence. Races are going to hate one another. Jesus said they'll turn against one another. They'll war with one another. Now, People talk about the racism in America. Let, let me just cut through the chaff. Racism is not as big a problem in America as people make it out to be. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It's been backed into a corner. Let me ask you, so let me see what you know about racism in America. I'll prove it with one question. How many Americans said this? How many people, when asked this question, would you be bothered by a person of another race living right next door to you? What percentage of Americans said not at all? Take a wild guess. 94. 19 out of 20 Americans said it wouldn't bother me a bit to have somebody of another race living next door. Now, we do have racism here, but let me tell you something. Not like you do in Africa. In Africa, they're cutting each other's heads off between the races. The Middle East, uh, Arabs versus Jews. Let me tell you, that is the spirit of Satan that causes people to war with one another. In the latter days, ethnicity will turn against ethnicity and war with one another. Of course, you're going to see the proliferation of racial violence in our land, according to Scripture. Not as bad as it is in other places, but you'll see it. Number, number four, look with me in verse seven again. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. Now we talked last week about famine, but one of the prophecies is global famine. And uh, this past week I read an article by one of our ambassadors, our United States ambassadors. The title was, War on Ukraine Will Shatter Global Food Security. And they talk about how the struggling nations are gonna suffer, not right now, but it's coming this fall and starting in the fall. 
how that the nations that are struggling are going to suffer terribly. All right. Now in America, this don't, this, our minds can't grasp this in this nation because nobody's hungry in this nation. We have these little terms we'll use of food islands and all that stuff. If you want to eat in this nation, you can eat. Somebody will give you something to eat in this nation. In Africa, 20% of the population is starving to death. People get buried every day, every hour, every moment because they simply couldn't get hold of food. 20% of Africa is starving. Let me tell you what's going to happen this fall. Uh, the main diet in Africa is bread, wheat. And 80% of all the bread that goes into Africa comes from the Ukraine or Russia. And of course, Ukrainian farmers can't plant right now, but the Bible predicted global famine as we're going to see. Uh, it's going to, it, I don't know if it's hit you or not, but it's going to affect all of us. I don't know if you knew this or not, but cows don't eat chickens. <laughs> cows eat grain. Grain is the primary food for all animals, chickens, pigs, cows, whatever that grain is the primary food. And we have a crisis of grain in the nation and coming up in the global crisis in grain. March the 8th, 2020, the commodities national price, global price for grain was $4 and a quarter a bushel. Two years later, March 8, 2022, uh, just a few weeks ago, the global commodity price was $13 a bushel. Now that's driven by shortages, but that's driven primarily by fuel. Tractors run on fuel. fuel food is transported by fuel. We're, we're not to that great place of nirvana that my friends wish we were, where you're gonna see a tractor plowing out there with two windmills on top of it. Wind doesn't drive tractors yet. We're still using fuel in this nation. Every bite you eat was delivered on a truck. Guess what drove that truck? Fuel is going to run the prices. Listen, the latter day, the holy grail and the gold of the latter days is going to be oil. And the great battle is going to be over oil in the latter days. Well, we're already starting to see the effects of that. If you like beef, I would encourage you to, you should seriously get with my wife and think about that vegetarian stuff coming up in the near future. Number five, pestilence. Read verse seven with me. The Bible said this, nation will rise against nation. There will be famines. And the next word is pestilence. Now, many people mistake that for pests like mosquitoes and flies and crickets. No, the word pestilence is the Greek word loyomai, deadly infectious disease. Anybody ever heard of any like global infectious disease in the last couple of years? Well, that's the Latter-day prophecy that disease would cover. I'm gonna tell you something about disease. I hate disease. Anybody has the heart of God hates disease. Disease is the foul offspring of Satan and sin in the earth. God doesn't make people sick. God heals people. I hate disease. I hate what it's done to people. God hates disease. You say, well, Brother Brian, if, if he's so good and he's so big, why, didn't it, why does he let people get sick? He doesn't. We did it. When a nation says to God, get out of our face and get out of our lives, he does it because we live on our free wills. I promise you, he's not the one that hurts people. God helps people. He cares about people. But the Bible promises pestilence in the latter days. Number six, look at me again in verse seven. Nation against nation, famine, pestilence, earthquakes in various places, increasing natural disasters is a sign of the second coming of Jesus. All right, now I make fun of it once in a while. I love to argue with my brethren about this phenomenon we're talking about today called global warming. And as global warming is coming, I've told you, global warming is coming. It's in 2 Peter chapter 3, where it says the earth will be burned up in the works thereof. That's global warming. However, we are experiencing global warming in a very real way. The temperature of the earth is rising and scientists are right. Now, I don't, I don't think the answers are right, 
But scientists are right when they say that the earth is warming and it's causing global upheaval and natural disasters. Increased hurricanes, uh, increased tidal. You know, a tsunami is an underwater hurricane such as are hit. Now, we don't have a problem with them here. That's in the Asian countries where they have that. Uh, the things that are happening, increased tornadoes, you're going to see an increase in natural disasters. People say, well, it's because of global warming. I don't care what it's because of. Jesus knew it 2,000 years ago. This was written 2,000 years ago about things that would come in the latter days. Uh, rising oceans. Then was this earth was supposed to be temporary. He said, well, why didn't God take care of his earth? What's the Bible say on the first page? I give dominion of this earth to men. Manage it. Take care of it. And we've not taken care of the earth that he gave us. Uh, but the Bible said you'll see an increase in <clears throat> global disasters. Number seven, look with me in verse nine. He said this, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Number seven, global animosity against Christ and his true followers. Now I've seen this happen in my lifetime. He said, brother Brian, Christians have built more hospitals than anybody in the world. They fed more people now, I know we've got some bad folks in our ranks and the media highlights that, but Christians have been good to the world. We built more schools. We taught people how to read. Why does everybody hate Christians? What does the Bible say? Right before the second coming of Jesus, there's gonna be a global angst against everybody that walks with Jesus, against the name of Jesus. And it, it really doesn't make sense. Uh, I've seen this in my lifetime in the United States. Nobody dared challenge. I mean, people just respected Christians when I was a young man. Even if you didn't follow Jesus, you respected Christians. And now there's this, in our, now we don't have a lot of persecution in this nation. Ours is sort of a mild antagonism right now. But you go to India, there's an outright war against Christians. You go to places in Africa like Nigeria and the Sudan, they'll cut your head off for just naming the name of Jesus. In China, they will put you in prison if you're caught with a Christian Bible. This, you say, why, what's this global hatred of everything Jesus? Well, you have to understand the scriptures to know that. Uh, matter of fact, let me, let's just turn and look at it. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. The Bible prophesied that in the latter days, something would come into the earth that would cause people on the earth to hate Jesus and hate those followers of his. 1 John chapter 4 is where it speaks of a spirit. Now, I'm, I'm going to remind you again, I'm going to say it over and over. Everything visible is driven by the spirit world. We really do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenly place, in the atmosphere. Our first John chapter four speaks of something coming into the earth. I want you to see this with me. Now let's put in about verse three. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And it, a spirit that doesn't honor Jesus. This is the spirit of antichrist, which you've heard was coming and is now in the world. All right, there's another spirit beside the spirit of God in the earth. His name is, or that spirit's name is Antichrist. Now don't confuse this with the man Antichrist. A man named Antichrist will come later. He's not on the scene yet. But the spirit of Antichrist is in the earth. Well, let me ask you this. What's the word anti mean? Against Christ. It's not the replacement Christ. Instead of Christ, it's Antichrist. I'm against Jesus. And if Jesus is in it, I'm against it. Well, and a lot of people don't even know why they, there was this, this angst against all things Jesus. It don't even make sense. I went to a church one time, preached for a while, and a man was there, and he told me, he said, I can't stand you. I said, well, I appreciate you being honest. Most won't say it. He said, I'm telling you, I can't stand you. He's a businessman, he's a deacon in that church. I can't stand you. I said, why? He said, I don't know. I don't even know you. 
I just can't stand you. I know why he couldn't stand me. He didn't know it, but I knew why. The spirit in him couldn't stand the spirit in me. Let me make an announcement. Them spirits know each other. The spirit of Jesus knows the spirit of the enemy. In the book of Acts one time, there's these seven preacher boys and they decided they wanted to try this demon casting out stuff. So they found him a demon possessed fellow. They treat him and uh, they decided we're going to cast the demon out of this fellow. So they got him all treated up there and they said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Come out of that man. And that demon spoke back to him and he said, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And the Bible said that spirit, that man jumped on them seven boys and beat them mercilessly. And the Bible said they ran out of the house naked. Now I've been in some fist fights in my day when I was young, but nobody ever beat the britches off me. I mean, that's all whooping. <laughs> when they beat your britches off, you just got a butt whooping any way you cut it. And one man did seven of them. Now, don't you listen to what he said. We know Jesus. Every spirit knows Jesus. But listen to what else they said. We know Paul. The evil spirits know who walks with Jesus because they know the spirit of God. That's what's behind this angst against Christianity uh, in, in our nation. But listen, it's worse in other, far worse in other parts of the world. You know, we're worrying about the temperature in our auditoriums in America. Those people in China, North Korea, Iran, they're putting their lives on the line to get this message out. They're willing to die for Jesus. And many of them do. They'll have to. I had a friend of mine, a preacher buddy, he went over to China and was on this mission, didn't know what he was getting into. And, and they're telling us, we're going to do this and this and this. We're going to do this and this. We're going to put you in a casket and we're going to hide you. We're going to mourn and go through the streets like we're having a funeral morning. And, and then when we get in the room in the house to have the morning, well, you can come out of the casket and preach. It's the only way we can get you around. They'll kill you. They find out what we're doing. He, and he said to me, I, I, I just said to him, I could get killed doing this. They looked at each other and they said, well, yeah. <laughs> they live like that every day. There's some things worse than dying. Dying's not all that bad, depending on which way you head it. Thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> See, if you've seen number eight anywhere, turn back with me to John, excuse me, Matthew 24. Turn back with me to Matthew 24. <clears throat> See if you've seen this happen. All right, Matthew 24. All right, sign number eight. Here, listen to this. The collapse of human civility in society. People are going to stop treating each other civil. The collapse of people are just going to lose civilization. They're treating each other. Read with me <clears throat> in verse 10. The Bible said this, and then many will be offended. People get so offended, betray one another and hate one another. What did the Bible say? There's going to come a day in the society when people will be so hateful, so easily offended, and they'll stab each other. They'll hurt each other. In other words, just the collapse of civil society. This is happening in my lifetime. What's the national discussion? What's everybody talking about right now in the national discussion on the news media and whatnot? The uncivilized way people are acting toward each other. I, I never heard the word road range till I was a grown man. It didn't exist. You just got out of people's way and smiled. The way we treat each other, the way we talk to each other, the uncivil way we treat each other. The Bible said it's the spirit, it's the attitude of people that you're going to see in this generation. Let me tell you where it comes from. Second Timothy 4.1, I'll just quote it to you. In the latter days, stressful times will come. I probably don't have to convince you of that. Stressful times will come because men will become so self-centered and greedy and arrogant and proud and backstabbers. It's the spirit of humanity, evil in humanity. All right, I'm gonna make a prediction. I get in trouble for making these predictions. People laugh at me. <clears throat> but I'm gonna make one. 
<clears throat> don't, make, don't laugh. <laughs> laugh when you get home. Just don't laugh in front of me. I know you're going to think this is crazy, but there's going to come a day we're going to get so uncivil in this nation with each other. There's going to come a day that on one of them fancy dress-up TV shows, somebody's not going to like what's said. They're actually going to go up on the stage and slap somebody for saying it. You watch see if it don't happen. I, I said, don't laugh at me. You, all right, you may not believe it. You just, well, you said that would never happen in a civilized society. I know. You just watch. The uncivil way we treat one another. All right, number nine is the collapse of human civility. But I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna tell you something. It's spiritual. Isaiah chapter 60 said, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people. What you're seeing today in the way we treat each other is spiritual. All right, number nine is uh, called, the Bible calls it lawlessness in verse 12. Verse 12 says this, lawlessness will abound. I mean, in other words, lawlessness will just explode. Uh, do you know what lawlessness is? Lawlessness is when you reject authority. I see if you agree with me right here from scripture. Any place people come together and try to live together, you have to have rules. Any civil society has to have rules. Anytime two people come together, you got, listen, you can't have a marriage without rules. You can't have a church without rules. You can't have anything without rules. God Almighty says where people are, you have to have rules that govern their behavior. Are, I'm over your head here. You're with me on this. God gave us great rules that would make a perfect earth. They're called the 10 commandments. Would, it, would anybody want to argue with me that if people quit killing each other, stealing from each other, stabbing each other in the back and quit wishing you had what somebody else has got. Those are numbers six through 10 and, and be nice to their, treat their parents good. Would anybody argue with me that we'd have a better earth? There's something about people in this. He said, there'll come a day people hate rules. That's lawlessness. You hate rules. And now they won't allow you to put the 10 commandments in the courthouse. <laughs> Seems to me like if you're on trial for stealing something, you ought to see thou shalt not steal. Makes sense to me. But this, this insanity of lawlessness, well, again, it's spiritual. And it's going to be poured out in the land, the latter days. And it said not only will it be here, but it will abound. All right, now let me tell you, uh, I'm reading this past week, a Harvard professor, researcher on so sociology, how people treat each other. And of course, I, did, I could have read it in the Bible, but I like to have Harvard sounds better than the Bible for some people. He said this. He said, we've reached a place in our society where for some reason, something has happened to the population that people think, listen to this, the rules don't apply to them. And he said, this is, these are the people that study society, societal behavior. He said, the collapse in our society is because people don't like rules anymore. Well, shock me. Of course it is. I read that in the Bible. <laughs> read in the Bible before he said it. I don't want to show you where it's coming from. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Just as there's a spirit of Antichrist, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, if you see Timothy, make a U-turn. 2 Thessalonians 2. Just as there's a spirit of Antichrist that causes people to reject the true Christ, there's another spirit at work in the earth and it mentions him here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. To make sure you know when we're talking about, let's read 2 Thessalonians 2, 1. Brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our gathering together to him. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is coming back to this earth. 270 times. I know, watch what he said. Verse 7. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work in the earth. When you say, why do parents just bow up against their children and don't make sense? 
Their parents have been good to them. Why? Why? I made another prediction a while back and people laughed. They're not laughing now. I said, there's going to come a day when well-educated people are going to say, we should get rid of police officers. They said, that'll never happen. Guess what? Let me, let me ask you a question. Why would people want to get rid of all police officers because of the mistake of a few? It says, because them two did bad. No, it's not. It's because we hate being told what to do. We hate coming under authority. And the Bible said it's the spirit, the mystery of lawlessness, which is, here's the lawlessness. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I'll do exactly what I want to do. What happens in a culture when people start living like that? Well, read the news. All right, look at the next verse. Verse eight. Then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth at the brightness of his coming. Verse nine. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power. Satan is the lawless one. He's the first rebel in world history. And the heart of Satan is, ain't nobody telling me what to do. I'll do whatever I want to. And that lawless one brings the spirit of lawlessness into the earth and has infected the human population with it. Uh, Thank God there's somebody in the earth. Look with me, let's read uh, verse six. Now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. The mystery of lawlessness already at work. He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. There's another spirit in the earth right now. That's the spirit of God. And that's, he's talking about the spirit of God. So you got the spirit of lawlessness that wants to destroy the earth, but you got the spirit of God in the earth. And what's the Bible say he's doing? He's restraining. You know what restrain means? When a deputy restrains somebody, it means they hold them and they can't do something. The spirit of God is holding back the spirit of lawlessness today, as bad as it is. But the Bible talks about a time right there says when he is taken out of the earth, people talk about how bad it is now. You wait till the Holy Spirit of God's taken out of this earth and watch what the lawless one does then. That's of course, that's the great tribulation period. I would encourage you get out of here before that shows up. But the spirit of Satan is the spirit of rebellion where kids rebel against their parents. Now, that, don't y'all just love it when I talk about when I was young. How many of you vote for that? Huh? Back when, right after they invented the Model T, I was in elementary school. And uh, I never, never heard a student smart aleck a teacher. You dared not speak back against your teacher because your teacher didn't dialogue with you. You went to see that fat man in that office with that skinny black tie and he did not try to reach you. Oh, he tried to reach out and touch you, but he did not try to reach you. He didn't reason with you. He had one word for you. There was nothing to be talked about. Young man, put your hands on that desk and turn your backside toward me. You say, you're not serious. I was, th- I was there. <laughs> Son, he put your backside out to me. He took that paddle and he smacked the snot out of you. He lit you up. And you didn't call your lawyer either. And you didn't call your mama. Because your mama, you didn't have nothing to call with, thank God, back then. Because <laughs> your mama would tell your daddy. And when you got home, somebody else going to be on your backside too. Totally gone now. Uh, the Bible, so, you know, I didn't mean to belabor that. Lawlessness will be in the earth. Number 10, turn back with me to Matthew 24. All right, the lawlessness is going to cause something else to happen as a chain reaction. Watch what Jesus said about a chain reaction to the attitude, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. All right, Matthew 24, verse 12. Because lawlessness will explode and abound, the love of many will grow cold. What did Jesus said in the latter days? genuine love amongst people for each other will start disappearing. Let me put it in language you can understand. People are going to stop caring about each other. People are going to stop caring about their neighbors. 
people are going to start caring about the folks around them and love's going to disappear. But don't you notice what the Bible said about hearts? The Bible calls it this in Ezekiel, hearts growing cold. When Jesus was asked, why do people destroy their relationships? Why do people blow up their marriages? Why do people destroy their relationships? He was asked this in Mark chapter 10. And Jesus said this, has nothing to do with the other person because of the hardness of your hearts. Because of the hardness of your hearts. We treat people like we treat people because of the condition of our hearts. If you're good to people, it's because you've got a tender heart. If you're hateful to people, it's because you've got a hard heart. It has nothing to do with them. The man who stabbed Jesus in the back and sold him out, Jesus washed his feet after he'd done it. But the Bible said that love's going to start disappearing in the earth. But what's the reason that love disappears in the earth? Let me quote it to you again. Love because, because lawlessness will explode, people are going to stop loving each other. Because of the hateful attitudes of people, it's going to dampen love down. And I'm reading a Stanford researcher this past week. And uh, the Stanford researcher said, we're, we're looking at society, again, it's sociologist, why people act like they act. And we're seeing this, the way people treat each other. I want you to listen to what this researcher said. In our, uh, our studies, we found, this is what they found. Destructive behavior is contagious. I said, get out of here. Get out of here. You know what they said? Amongst a societal group, whether it's a family, a, a group, a school, the whole nation, destructive behavior is contagious. If one person starts acting like an idiot and becomes hateful, the next one will. Let me give you an example. You're at work. Your boss is unusually hateful and hard on you that day. So you leave work. You go to food line to get dinner. You're ugly to the checkout girl because your boss was hateful to you. You walk out, she's ugly to the next customer. It don't take long for this stuff to spread. Do you understand what the Bible says here? It, it multiplies. Um, I had to go to Charlotte this past week. I was raised in Charlotte. When I was in Charlotte, people drove like they had some sense when I was a boy. You just waved, waved at everybody. It's called throwing up. Don't mean you puke, it means you throw your hand up at them. They just throwed up at your neighbor, waved at everybody. Everybody took their time. I was down here this past week. Let me tell you what's happened. Somebody from Vermont moved to Charlotte years ago. Mm -hmm. And one person from Vermont started driving like an idiot around Charlotte. Now all one million of them are demon possessed on the highway out there. Drive like a bunch of idiots. I want to holler out to some of them. The raceway is in Concord, not here. I'm just picking. But the Bible said, you see this in a family. A, girl, a family. You get one starts out, like a father goes crazy, starts acting hateful, it'll spread through the whole family. You get in a church, somebody starts acting hateful, it'll spread through the whole church. And that's what Jesus said, because lawlessness is going to abound, it's going to affect the way people treat each other. And genuine love, genuine love is going to start disappearing. Number 11. Look with me in Matthew 24. All right, well, let's, one more, verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. What did Jesus mean the end was going to come? Not the end of everything or eternity, the end of life on this planet. What's the, last, the number 11 sign there? The gospel is going to cover the globe. For 2,000 years almost, this could not, you couldn't happen. In the year 1950, impossible. Year 2022, check. There's not a place you can go on this planet. Now, there's not a square inch of dirt on this planet where the gospel hadn't been sent yet. Now, not every... Not every language has its own Bible. Wycliffe and people like that are working on that. But anyways, this gospel has circled the globe. Technology, missionaries, whatnot. Jesus said it's got to be preached all over the earth. It's there now. 
So check off on that one. Now, and so I don't, I don't see but 11. There's no one more. Now, number 12 is not in Matthew 24. Number 12 is through the whole Bible. And uh, in particular, it's, it's explained in detail in Romans chapter one. The 12th sign right before the second coming of Jesus is societal insanity. Societal insanity. I'll just draw from it, Romans chapter one. Well, the Bible says this. If you reject God as a nation and you tell him to get out of your nation and you don't even want him mentioned in your public square, I'll leave. Let me tell you what I said I'm taking with me. I'm taking sanity out of the culture. Here's how it says it exactly in Romans chapter one. I will give them over to a debased mind to live in a way that is not fitting. Old Bibles call it, Old King James calls it a reprobate mind. It's where he says, I'll just take wisdom out of the nation. I'll take wisdom out of the earth. And people will begin to do the dumbest things for no reason. Uh, let me just, uh, we're not gonna take long. Let me just mention a couple of things. One of our leaders in the National Health Institute yesterday had this lengthy diatribe that how wrong we are to use the term mother. We need to quit calling people mothers. We need to start calling them birthing persons. Where in the heck am I supposed to find a birthing person's card from? Birthing person's day card. Hallmark ain't even that stupid. Get with it, doc. Birthing persons, really? And here's the, here's the beef. Some clown didn't just mention it out in California. That's, that's the leader of the National Health Institute. And, uh, and then, here's the deal. You don't say it like we tell you to say it, we're going to boil you in oil and your children can't go to school anymore. Forcing people to eat this stuff. And I'm thinking, you've got to be, somebody asked me the other day where this thing said, are you going to be there? I said, yes. I said, will you bring your significant other? I said, my what? I said, my significant mother died several years ago. I'm going to bring my wife to this thing. What in the world are people talking about now? You may go, let, me go, let me go a little further. Don't laugh at me. There's going to come a day in a nation when it loses its mind and people are going to actually tell you, don't laugh. People are going to tell you, a boy can become a girl. All right, if you don't believe me, you just watch. You just wait. That's the goofy stuff. We have lost our minds in this nation. It's not good for our children. My grandpa went through the sixth grade. That's all he had, sixth grade education. But he owned a sawmill. He built a business, took care of his family, never had a financial concern in his life. Because my grandpa knew something. You don't prosper financially by going into debt. What has happened to this nation that we think we can go as deep in debt as we are and succeed financially down the road? We're killing our children. It's insanity what we're doing to our future generations with the tremendous debt we're sinking this nation into. But that's what the Bible said. Kick me out of your land, I'm taking wisdom with me. All right, <clears throat> let me wrap up. I said, I'm glad I came today. I'm so encouraged after hearing this. <laughs> if it's in the Bible, he wants to hear us, but this is not as uh, Paul Harvey used to say, and now the final word. Now this is the most important thing you're gonna hear today. Most important thing you hear now, listen, all that, what you heard will come to pass. If you, if what I said today, what, excuse me, what you saw in here doesn't come to pass, throw the whole Bible in the garbage. It's got to all be true or none of it's true. But you've got enough wisdom to know that it's going to come to pass. But now that's not the question. Is this going to happen? The question is what? What's the big question? All right, second, don't look at it. I'll just quote it to you. Second Peter three is another chapter that deals with the second coming of Jesus. And it describes in detail. And then he says this in verse 11, seeing how these things will come to pass, what manner of persons ought you to be? The real question is not, is this going to happen? The real question is, how am I going to live in the middle of it? How am I going to live when it starts happening? 
And there was this, this, you got to hear this now. You give me your heart for a second. This is going to happen. Matter of fact, it's already happening. The question is, what am I going to do while it happens? How do I order my life if this is happening? All right, listen to me from God's word. Are we going to run and hide from the darkness and go out like some Christians go out to Montana and get us a little convent out there and get us some tuna fish and bottled water and wait till Jesus comes back? We're not going to hide from the darkness. Jesus lived right in the middle of the darkness. Break with this, get out of this mess stuff. Number two, are we going to mourn over this stuff? And everybody's sitting around talking about how bad it was and wish we had the good old days back. I got news for you. Good old days ain't coming back. There's some great days coming down the road, but them ain't coming back. We're not going to sit around and whine. Let me give you one of the greatest verses in the Bible you ever read. And this is for this generation right now. Uh, in the book of 1 Samuel, Israel had disobeyed God. They destroyed their nation. Saul had fallen as king. It was terrible. And the Bible said the great prophet Samuel said he wept all night long over what had happened to his nation. All right, second, 1 Samuel 16 verse 1 said this. God came to him and he said, how long mourn you over the past? Get up. Fill your horn with oil. Come with me. I'm fixing to do something great in the earth. Well, that's the message right there. Don't whine over what's going on. Don't be upset about what's going on. Get up. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to what God wants to do on the earth. He's doing some great things in the earth today. Now, I know that in the latter days, darkness will cover the earth. Let me tell you what my Savior said. In the latter days, latter days, I will pour out my spirit. God's doing some great things in the earth today. And you need to quit whining about what's going on and get up and say, let's do it. What's going on today? Number three, are we going to curse the darkness? We're just going to talk about how rotten young people are today and heck, how rotten old people are today. And everybody's rotten except me. Is that what we're going to do? You're going to sit down at Biscuitville with a bunch of old men and crab. I don't have time for such foolishness. That's not what we're going to do. You know what we're going to do? We're going to shine in the darkness. We're not going to whine in the darkness. Here's the word of God to you. God's word to his people today. All right, one more. Turn with me to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 is the parallel passage to Matthew 24. And he's got a word for his people today. See if you hadn't, you've seen this happen right here. See if you hadn't seen this happen. All right, Luke 21. It gets pretty wild in here. Luke's a little more, Luke's a little rougher. All right, Luke chapter 21, verse seven. They asked Jesus saying, when will these things be? What will be the sign when they're about to take place? So same question asked in Matthew 24. And Jesus said this in verse 22. These are the days of vengeance that all things which are written will be fulfilled. You listen to me. Everything written in this book will come to pass. Everything he wrote will be fulfilled. And here's how he describes people's reaction to it in verse 25. There'll be signs in the sun and the moon, distress of nations, verse 26. Men's hearts failing them from the fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. What do he say? When these things begin to happen and people watch it on the news, they're going to get scared to death. People can watch the news and have heart attacks. Men's hearts failing them because of the fear of what they see coming on the earth. We're seeing that, not that bad. We're sort of seeing that happen now where people, just, yeah, I hear people say, oh, no, I'm worried about my children. I'm worried about the future. Worried if I have enough money to retire. You won't, go and do something. All these different, I'm worried, people are worried about the future. What did Jesus say? When this stuff happens, people look out with fear. Not you. Read what his people are going to do in verse 28. Now, when these things begin to happen, you look up and you lift up your head because your redemption draws near. That's a totally different attitude. Listen, my, my life's not built on this planet anyway. I, my home is there. 
Now, I know what I'm supposed to be doing in these days, but you and I are supposed to go through these days not scared to death because of what's coming with our heads up. You know, lift your head up means celebrate because Jesus is coming back and we're going to be a part of what he's doing in the earth. So what scripture say here? You see this stuff start to happen, you need to start hollering. But most of all, you need to shine. Let me tell you where God's people need to be. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. You, not the preacher, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nobody lights a lamp and hides it in Montana. It says that, look it up. Nobody lights a lamp and hides it under a bushel, sticks it down in a church building. Nobody put Jesus Christ inside of you to hide you from a screwed up world, but places them on a lampstand. He is gonna place you strategically in a neighborhood, a business, a school, a family. God's gonna place you strategically, places them on a lampstand that they might give light to everybody in that house. Let your light shine before men. Shine before men so they can watch you and glorify God. My job in these days is not to whine about how bad they are. They just stand somewhere and shine. In the food line, the Piggly Wiggly, where I work, my neighborhood, I'm supposed to be shining and singing and celebrating so that people go, you living in the same crap I am. He's either on drugs or he knows something nobody else knows. Well, it's too late for drugs. People say, what is it you got that other people don't have? That's what you're there for. You didn't pick that place you work. God put you there. They said, well, they're all idiots. He must think a lot of you. <laughs> he must think you can handle it. You say, I, my husband's family is total idiots. Well, praise God, missionary, you was planted. <laughs> we got to get our minds changed about this stuff. While everybody else is having a heart attack, we're going to be celebrating. I mean, the light of the world, we, we just need a total adjustment on the way that we think about this kind of stuff. All right, I'm going to quote to you one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's in the book of Esther. It says this. Now, I wish I lived in Matt Dillon days. <laughs> I'd have got shot first show. All right. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to live in them days. You know why? Because I didn't live in them days. I was supposed to live in these days. You know how I know that? Esther 414 says this. You were born for such a time as this. God saw all this coming. He knew everything that was going to happen and he planned on you being here right at this time. You were born for such a time as this. Acts chapter 17 says this. He determined the day you'd be born. He determined the place you'd be born. You right where you're supposed to be in world history right now doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Let me quote the rest of Esther. Let me just quote the first part of verse 14 there. If you don't do what God called you to do and gave you a mission to do, he'll have to raise somebody else up to do it. You know what that tells me? I'm living exactly where I'm supposed to be living. Now I need to find out exactly what I'm supposed to be doing and find out what my mission on this life is and get with it and smile. Listen, you know that great verse, serve the Lord with sadness. <laughs> Psalm 100 verse two, serve the Lord with sadness. Of course, in my fundamental brethren, here's how, their, here's how their Bible reads, serve the Lord with madness. <laughs> Let me tell you how the real Bible reads, serve the Lord with gladness serve the Lord with gladness. You're put on this earth to make a difference in people's lives. You see, everybody's a bunch of perverts out there. Bingo. Philippians chapter two, verse 15. He placed you to shine as a light in the middle of a wicked and perverted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. He wants you right in the middle of a bunch of perverts just shining. All right, look, we got to get over this. The main goal of my life is to have comfort. Move to Mars, Doc. That's over on this planet. The goal of our lives is to glorify God and help people. 
We've got to change the reason we're on this planet breathing. I'm not here to eat cheeseburgers and burp. I'm here to help people and to bless people and to be a blessing to people. And I want to give you, a, here's my last, last word. John 6, 27, Jesus said this, labor not for the meat that perishes. Labor for the meat that endures to eternity. Don't waste your life on junk that's going to burn up when Jesus comes back. You pour your life into the one thing that's going to last for all eternity. What's that? Money's going to be gone. The cars are going to be gone. The houses are going to burn. What's the only thing going to last for eternity? People. Labor for eternity with people. And you pour your lives into people, helping people. I don't care whether you Billy Graham, you speak to the whole world, or I get to speak to thousands. You may not get to speak to but three. Speak well to them. And whatever your little sphere of influence is, you live to make a difference in this earth and help people. Turn loose of this doomed, cursed society and their dead-end pursuits. Get to know your God and live a life that pleases Him and enjoy His life. Accomplish your mission. Now listen to me. The Bible said this. Well, Brother Brian, should I just drop out of school since Jesus is coming back? No. No, for crying out loud, no. We're living in the last days. But now whether He comes this Friday or whether he comes 50 years from now, nobody knows. You're not supposed to know that. You're just supposed to know what to do today. Can I ask you a question? Say you got Bitcoin or Amazon stock, some of those things that are really sizzling right now. And I were to tell you, and you, you, you knew I had a hotline to heaven. I know the truth. And I were to tell you, next three days, that thing's going to skyrocket. You're fixing to be happy. But come Thursday, it's going to completely flatline and bottle line and collapse. You're going to lose every dime you got. I had a friend that happened to. Anybody remember dot-com? Remember when that bubble bust? I had a multi-millionaire in this church who's now a hundred air. <laughs> Say Bitcoin, whatever. You and, one, and I tell you, it's going to soar winds, but come Thursday, that thing's going to collapse. And you think I know what I'm talking about? Listen to me. You know what you'd do? You'd hang on to it, but you'd sell it for a Thursday, wouldn't you? This doomed earth and its pursuits are going to burn one day. Everything everybody's busting their butts for and begging for today is going to wash out like a sandcastle. The only thing that's going to last on this planet is what you do for Jesus for people. Amen. Serving people is why we put on this planet. Now listen to what you do. Listen to what you do. Like I'm the boss. You get you an education, you be the best in your school. Find you a sweetheart and get married. And not if you're already married. I mean, if you're not married... And boys need to marry girls and girls need to marry boys. It's stick with the book. Get married. All right. I, I hear young people say, well, I don't want to bring children into this mess. Yes, you do. Let me ask you, we read about the spirit of Antichrist. If you'd have read the next verse, you'd have read this. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. These are great days to have children. You need to have them babies. Years ago, a high school music teacher was so discouraged. It was, a, it was at a terrible time in our nation. The 19, later 1960s, early 70s, Vietnam was raging. It, it was worse in the nation then than it is right now. National Guardsmen were killing, sh excuse me, shooting students on college campuses. Kent State. Four kids got shot by National Guardsmen and killed protesting. It was a time of national turmoil. This young guy had just gotten married, married his high school sweetheart. He was a music teacher in the high school. And he became so depressed over the state of the nation. He told his sweetheart, he said, we're not going to have children. I don't believe it's right to bring kids into this screwed up earth. And uh, she went to bed. He stayed up that night and he sat in his recliner there and he was opening his Bible, was praying. And he said, God spoke to me. And God told me, hell's ruling this earth right now, but I'm ruling your life. And you change your attitude right now. And you begin to follow me and you lift up your head. 
And that guy picked up a pad, a legal pad beside his chair and he wrote these words. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to live, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. And life is worth the living just because he lives. How sweet to hold that newborn baby and feel the pride and joy it brings. Greater still the calm assurance this child can face uncertain days because God lives. His name was Bill Gaither and he ended up becoming a big time music leader. But he said that night in that recliner, God changed my heart toward what's happening in the earth. Yeah, listen, it's gonna get bad on the earth. God's fixing to show off in this earth for those that love him. And you have you a bunch of babies, keep having them. Have them babies. And you build a business and you get active in the earth and you, you plan like you're going to be here for a thousand years. Be ready in case he comes today. But you act like he ain't coming for a thousand years and you want to leave a legacy in this earth. I don't want you to have to stand in front of Jesus and him go. Tell me what you did. And you have to say, I cheeseburgers, I ate cheeseburgers, watched a lot of movies. I help people. I help people. All right. <laughs> We're going to shine. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I forgot. Somebody pointed this out in the early service. You left one out, didn't you? Actually, there's 13 in that passage in Matthew 24. I forgot the last one. Jesus is coming back to earth. When Jesus comes back, that's a sign that Jesus is coming back real close. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. Catch me making a mistake. Jesus is coming back to this earth. It doesn't matter whether it comes tonight or 50 years from now, history is unfolding just like he said it, which, which tells me what? Horny head is cutting up on this planet, but he's not in control of it. Jesus got his hand on me. He's got a hand on my life. And I got the great, listen to me, the only hope of this fallen world anymore is the message of Jesus Christ. It's the only hope of humanity. And guess who's got the message? All right. Raise your right hand. I ordain you to the gospel ministry. You're now a certified preacher. Put your hand down. I'll send you your certificate in the mail. Get out there and get to preaching the best news anybody ever heard. Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you. Your word is so clear. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. That day will come and catch them all off guard. Father, people that mock you and pay you no attention, I love every human being on this planet. Your word says you desire that none should perish, but all should come to the life of God in this life and in the further life. But you said it's going to catch people off guard. There's going to come a day when you're going to do what you said you were going to do. And people are going to be stunned. When the truth was, every home in America has the average of four Bibles in it. The truth was laying right in the house if people would have just read it. I thank you for your word that tells us the future, what's coming, what's going on. I praise you and bless you. If my kids were fixing to go through a rough spot, I'd talk to them about it. I praise you that you're that kind of father. I give you all the praise and glory. I pray for every person in this room. Lord Jesus, not that they just hear the signs of the times, but that Holy Spirit of God run a rod up their spine to where they say, I am going to live for Jesus in these crazy days and I'm going to make a difference in this earth. I'm not going to suck up resources. This world's going to be a better place because I was in it. I'm going to help people. And I thank you and praise you. I just want to praise you. I love living in these days. I thank you that I was born for such a time as this. And Lord Jesus, ain't nobody going to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'd be glad to fill my job. Whatever it is, I pray for every person in here. The joy of Jesus in their hearts. Jesus, be real to them. That they would live for Christ the rest of their lives. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified in everything we do. In his precious name we pray. Amen.